Good afternoon, everyone. This is Garen Tornell, and this is another episode of Let's Hear It. And today I have uh, kind of a unique guest for the show because this is a person that, uh, unlike all my other guests, I've known him for not as long of a time. So I get to learn stuff about him, as do all of my guests. So that's kind of neat. So anyway, we will get a whole, get a start with the show here, and let's uh, let's hear it. Okay, David Lund is my guest today. David, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me here. Well, actually, (laughs) I'm I'm actually in my own home, so this is kind of handy. Exactly. (laughs) Thanks for, yeah, thanks for allowing me to come over into your home, David. Yeah, this works out. (laughs) Right. So we have a nice little uh, eagle's nest view of everything up here and uh, in your office. So this is pretty cool. So I kind of feel like we're on the top of a castle, but the ceiling all pointed. Yeah, that's one of the reasons we like this house is it's got a lot of cool features to it. Yeah. So, David, why don't you tell our listeners um, a little bit about yourself, like where you started, where you were born and grew up? And Okay, well, uh, at the very beginning, I, I'm actually a Eugenian. I was born right here in Eugene. have almost lived my entire life here, except for uh, one year when I lived six months in Medford and six months in Portland. But other than that, I've uh, been in Eugene almost my entire life. Um, Born at Sacred Heart Hospital, which is the same hospital my mother was born in and my daughter was born in. So oh, wow. I, I like that connection, <laughs> especially because the downtown hospital isn't really there anymore. Right, right. Um, but had a, a fairly normal childhood. My parents were teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, the school year was a busy time, but everybody had summers off. So when I was a little kid, I thought everybody in the world got summers off because my parents both did. Oh, um, right. But uh, I learned later on that's not the case. Depends on the job you have. But, sure. Um, um, but I have one older brother, and we grew up originally in the uh, Hawthorne neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, uh, corner of Hawthorne and Baxter in the Bethel district. Oh, yeah. Um, and Not too far from Willamette High School? That yeah, if we'd, <coughs> if we'd stayed in that neighborhood, we would have gone mm-hmm. to Willamette High School. Right. Uh, I went to Fairfield Elementary for my first mm-hmm. grade year, and then we moved across town after that. Ah. Um, but my parents were school teachers. Uh, my dad mostly taught history, but he also taught a lot of other things in his career, and music was another one that he, w- he used to be a band teacher and things. He played French horn. And so music was also a big part of our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we grew up going to lots of concerts. And my brother and I both ended up taking up a musical instrument in fourth grade. So Wow, fourth grade. That's yeah, great. That's when they started. They, they, I'm sure the music programs in the school is a lot different now than it was then. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't think it's, it's quite as big and is not as accessible as it was in those days. So I'm really glad that we did take advantage of, mm-hmm. of uh, the education program. And so, yeah, I, I took up cello. My brother took up bass, and we played that all through our school years. That's a great combo right there. <laughs> we didn't play together much. Oh, though. you didn't? <laughs> no. And it's not, yeah, it's mostly just the lower half of the instruments. And so mm-hmm. yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of, of melody in there. But anyway, we had fun. Um, but yeah, lots of concerts growing up, lots of, you know, music camps and that kind of stuff. Um, you said music camps? Yeah. Oh, cool. 
So yeah, in the summertime, uh, the University of Oregon had one uh, oh, for right. a couple of weeks in June. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I both did that for several years in a row. I think they still do that, don't they? Don't they have a music? I don't know. Oh, I thought I'd heard about that. Yeah, I haven't kept track of you know all the things that are going on in, in uh, music education these days. I mean, there are there is a youth symphony, and I again they change their names over time of of what right. uh, what the organizations are called. But yeah, there used to be kind of independent from the school district, you could join a, an orchestra just for mm-hmm. for younger kids, and there was like one for. Uh, junior orchestra and then youth symphony and and mm-hmm. yeah, like I said they keep changing their names but uh, we my brother and I also were parts of those groups so mm. yeah we we played music a lot growing up mm. and uh, my mother and dad were also involved in in music my dad performed in two or three different uh, uh, community groups at the French horn and my mom was in the uh, Women's Choral Society for a few years. Oh, I've heard of them, yeah. And my dad also sang in the Eugene Gleeman off and on for many years. Oh, wow. Wow, that's a big musical history. I like so, that. So, yeah, I did lots of music. And so music came easy for me growing up, and, and I figured maybe we would do something musical as a career growing up. But we eventually got away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, for my brother, it was... Uh, yeah, he worked. He was very good at playing the bass, and he worked very hard at it. And yeah, he, uh, he would win uh, first place in the state solo contests and those kind of things. Uh, I didn't work so hard. I, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I had good ma- uh, natural music ability, but I didn't really develop it. Didn't work at it. I mm-hmm. liked the fact that uh, I could just do a lot of things easily, and so I didn't really practice. I didn't get mm-hmm. any better at anything. So as the years went on, everyone around me got a lot better than I did because they, they worked at it and I didn't. Mm-hmm. And so it was fun for the first few years because it was easy. And then as it got harder and harder and required more work, I got lazy and, and didn't do it. So mm-hmm. by the time I got to college, I'm thinking, eh, maybe music. I love music, but I, I can't decide what I would want to do with music because mm-hmm. I never did find uh, something that I really, really wanted to do more than anything else. I mean, right. I like playing cello, but I also like playing piano. Mm-hmm. I, I, I took drums for a little while. Uh, my high school got a synthesizer my last year, and so there was a synthesizer class. I loved <laughs> that. Yep. And so I couldn't decide what I really wanted to do in music. I just knew I liked it. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up not having a, a musical career of any kind. Mm-hmm. And my brother, who focused all of his energies on just playing bass and nothing else, but even he also decided that he wasn't going to have a musical career. Oh, okay. Uh, so we both went in other directions. Hmm. Um, my brother, uh, he was a music major in college. We both went to the University of Oregon. Oh, okay. Um, and got our degrees there. I actually started one year at Pacific Lutheran University, so my freshman year was somewhere else. But other than that, we did both finish in Oregon. Uh, but after four years of being a music major, he changed to journalism and ended up graduating with a journalism degree. After four years, he changed his degree. <laughs> yep. Wow. Or maybe it was <laughs> three. I forget. Right. Uh, it might have been three. Uh, so anyway, it took him five years to get his degree, but mm-hmm. at least he did finish. And then he worked in local newspapers for a few years and then got a job uh, at a college working for their one of their publications. And then he ended up becoming a freelance writer and editor. And so mm-hmm. now he, he writes books on his own. Usually, uh, well, he gets hired to write a book for someone who wants to tell a story who's not really an, an author. Gotcha. And so he's done a lot of books that way. Mm-hmm. And so those are, those are, those are good. 
Um, and as far as me, growing up, I watched a lot of television. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I listened to the radio a lot. And so those kind of interested me more than anything else. So by the time I got to college, I ended up um, getting a communications degree, which was at the Oregon at that time. You're st- I was studying radio, television, and film, mm-hmm. kind of all mixed together. Right. And so that was interesting. And not really connected with that, uh, I sort of started working in radio outside of school. That was just sort of a coincidence. Hmm. Uh, In high school at the time, four Eugene high schools shared uh, the radio station, the the radio station KRVM, which Eugene Hmm. School District Mm -hmm. owns. Uh, And so each high school, North Eugene, South Eugene, Sheldon, and Churchill, all had two hours on the air every day. Mm -hmm. And so just for fun, I mean, I wasn't thinking seriously about a career or a future. I signed up for the radio class and ended up really having a a lot of fun with it. Mm -hmm. And so stuck with that. And uh, the teacher of the radio class would sometimes find jobs for his better students. Sure. So I ended up getting uh, a foot in the door at one of the local radio stations. Wow. And so started working in radio for for many years. And so (laughs) so I was studying radio in in college, and yet I already, what they were teaching me in college was actually behind what I was already doing in radio. Mm, But uh, I was also learning about television and film, and and that was interesting. So yeah, I did at least get a degree and and finished college at Oregon. So at, at KRVM, did you, were you working there when Eddie, was Nettie Bumpo there when you were there? No, I don't know oh, that name. Okay. He's one of my favorite DJs. That guy is, a, he's just great. Oh. You can tell he loves what he does and I look forward to it. I think, I think his show is on Friday mornings. Hmm. I think. But yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I mean, I know the people who are actually uh, running the station now, the manager mm. and thing, but mm-hmm. uh, I haven't listened to them for a while, so I'm not keeping up with what they're doing. Um, at this moment, I'm actually kind of looking for work again, so I might ah. even uh, look them up and, and talk to sure. the people I know there. I have a, a few contacts in radio because I have worked off and on in Eugene Radio for uh, over 40 years. Wow. Um, but most of that ended up being part-time. Okay. Um, which means I had to find other jobs, too. <laughs> so sure. I had a lot of different sure. careers in Eugene. Uh, but radio was by far the most fun, and of that 40-some years of radio, I think I did the math. I think 13 years of them were full-time. Oh, wow. And the rest of them was not. Right. (laughs) Just fill in work. Yeah, you kind of hear. Yeah. Here and there. Yeah, weekends. And uh, it's so different now. I mean, radio, when I started, radio was, you know, the way people picture it. Somebody's sitting in a little room playing records, and you're Mm -hmm. sitting there playing song after song and answering the phones. It's all computerized now. And mm. there are no records. There's not even tapes or CDs, which were the next things that happened in the 80s. Was it all just MP3 files, right? And yeah, it's playing? all computers. It's just a microphone yep. and a computer screen. And uh, hmm. and most shows, not usually the morning shows are still live, but uh, the rest of the days are usually not recorded live. They're, mm-hmm. they're pre-recorded, and one person can do their whole week's worth of shows uh, in one day, because you're not sitting there listening to each song start to finish, you're just recording what needs to go in between this song oh, and that song. And I that see. Song. So, you can record an hour of your show in about 15 minutes because you're just recording the <laughs> what you need to say, right? And then you're not listening to the show as you're recording it. So, so, could you record something that you want to play in between songs while the song is playing? 
or does that not work that way? Um, so you could just come, then just sit for a while and listen to. Well, yeah, you can take as much time or as as you want, but mm-hmm. uh, the emphasis is always on you know how fast can you do it? Can you get how much work can you get done? A lot of the people who work in radio today are spread out very thin. They're doing mm-hmm. shows on more than one station at a time, mm-hmm. so they record one show for one station and then they turn around and do another show for another station ah gotcha most companies now own several stations at once and Mm -hmm. so they can hire one person to run three or four stations it's very different from when i started when yeah one station would uh, have a huge staff of people Mm -hmm. and now several stations can be run on a staff of two or three people so but you couldn't do that if you were flipping discs everywhere you couldn't there's not time to no no it's can't do it it's, it's all pre-computerized, and everything's just down the computer screen, and you just look for the spaces where your recordings for what you say is, and it's just, well, there was a song, and now here's another one. and <laughs> <laughs> That's it, huh? That's pretty much what a radio DJ does. That yeah. is so weird. Just not what I expected to hear, because I, I always picture them either, you know, back in my, you know, when I was a child, they were flipping discs, records, yep. but now, and then it went to CDs, and yeah. But not anymore, I guess. Yeah, very different. Wow. And then the the phones would ring a lot too in those days too. Oh, you I'm had, sure. You had to not only keep an eye on on your record that had to end because you had to have two turntables because you had to have the next song ready while the one that was mm-hmm. playing was was on the air. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, while you're doing all this, yeah, the phone rings like crazy. Uh, it was much more personality driven mm-hmm. back in the '60s and '70s, and then they've they've gotten further and further away from that. And there's so many non-radio ways to listen to music now mm-hmm. that uh, yeah, people don't want to listen to somebody talking a lot right. between songs. And yep. So they've you know the, the whole way radio is done is not only the technology has changed, but just the way people listen has changed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, it, and it's all streaming now too. It's not even personal. Yep. There's a couple of jazz stations I lift I listen to out of Chicago. Yep. So exactly. when they ask for people to call in for a contest, I mean, like I I, <laughs> I can't get to that restaurant. I can't win those tickets. You know. <laughs> so it's just everything is all it's worldwide now. So yeah, exactly. there's no. You don't need a radio to mm-mm. listen to radio anymore. Nope, you don't. And uh, yeah, it's it's very very different. But um, I still enjoyed it for you know just the the connection and just I enjoy music too and so for whatever reason and doing it for many years you end up sort of developing a, a different way of speaking and and my voice is apparently uh, a little more radioish than if I mm-hmm. probably didn't work in radio just, oh just from talking this way for many years no way so that's so. not just how you I mean you didn't always talk no like that. okay I think. I mean, there's, I don't know how much the, the <laughs> science to it, but right, I right. believe that, uh, yeah, if you work in radio, it does sort of, you you change your posture, you change the way you speak a little bit, and if you do that for many years, it does develop hmm. your voice muscles a little bit. And so interesting people who I have known who've worked in radio for many years, yeah, they do have great voices, and I think they don't have great voices, um, so they worked in radio, I think they worked in radio, so they got good voices. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you have to have something to work with. I should have got a job in Hollywood acting then. We got better looking, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't tried that. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny you mentioned acting. That was another interest of mine, too. Not only did my parents take us to a lot of music concerts growing up, but they also right. took us to a lot of stage plays, a mm-hmm. lot of local presentations and high school musicals and things. Mm-hmm. And so that looked interesting to me as well. And so um, in junior high and high school and college, I did some theater as uh-huh. well. 
and also considered maybe wanting to be an actor at some point, mm-hmm. um, but didn't get too far with that. Um, in fact, because of my work career being so weird, um, I never, um, I did a lot of theater in the 70s and 80s. I haven't done much since. And I would love to, to do some more theater. Maybe when I'm officially retired, I'll have more time to, mm-hmm. to do more local theater. But uh, I enjoyed it and uh, would love to do a little bit more of that. And, and there actually is, uh, you know, once in a while a, a movie gets made in Eugene. And I would try to get in on that if possible. But usually, I mean, they do a call for extras. And, and I remember I did a, an audition for Stand By Me when, mm-hmm, that, was right. when that, that was, came through. Yeah, yeah. Was that in Brownsville they filmed a lot of that? Yeah, a lot of it. Um, but they did hold auditions mostly for, for kids. I'm not sure why because they ended up casting, of course, you know, very talented actors from Hollywood to mm-hmm. do all the kids' parts. But, mm-hmm. but for some reason they went ahead and did a, a local casting call anyway. And I showed up and, and at least I can say I, I read for a part for Stand By Me, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't get cast. And of course, Animal House. Mm-hmm. My high school marching band is in the movie. No uh, way. But That's I was, I was <laughs> not in the marching band. I was in the orchestra. So oh. I was so crushed. I didn't get to be in the movie. So close. <laughs> I know a lot of people who were in the movie. Right. But uh, yeah, I didn't get to appear in it. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I, was, uh, I worked at a, at a local deli in Creswell, and my boss's two boys were in the Stand By Me. They got some bit part in the movie where it was... Um, Oh, it was it was part of a dream where they were having that when they had that pie eating contest. Okay, yeah, that was a story. A story, yeah, and he was it was a story he was being told, and uh, everybody in the everybody in the audience got really grossed out by yeah. something, and so that was their job to is to throw up whatever was in there, <laughs> and that was that was their only part. But they had a great time doing it. So that. yeah, they were just kids. I think they were like middle school age. Cool, so. cool. So yeah, I was a little older by then anyway. So I. Probably wasn't likely to get a kid part. Right, right. <laughs> but that was something I always kept my eyes open for, if, if there were, you know, things that were being done. And Portland, too. They do a lot of television stuff in, mm-hmm. in Portland, like Portlandia, and then those the Grimm right. TV series mm-hmm. and the Librarians TV series. Yeah, the Grimm was almost filmed entirely in Portland, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Um, so I actually found a website where they hire extras and... I did actually get a few calls and a little bit of work that way. And this was about 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did get to appear as an extra in one episode of Grimm. No way. Although <laughs> in the final episode, you can't see me at all. So oh, I spent a that's whole day up there. I got paid well. And then, yeah, there's nothing to see. So how, how long were you up there on scene? I mean, how long? Just a day's worth? Or? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't even a full day. I mean, that, the hard part was I had to be in Portland at 6 a.m. So. Mm. So, That's brutal. Uh, I had to get up yeah, in the middle of the night and drive up there. Right. Uh, you know, and they check your <coughs> costumes and your makeup. And then they, oh, wow. it was an outdoor scene. And there was it was a little sprinkling a little bit. But uh, it was like a press conference. And so they needed a bunch of people to be like reporters and, and oh, stuff. Oh, wow. So I was like a cameraman. But I had my back to the real camera as it was zooming in on the guy speaking. But in the final shot, yeah. That's actually in the episode, which mm-hmm. I, I bought a copy of it anyway, which is dumb because you can't see me at all. Right. But I know I was there. Um, oh, man. But then there was uh, another episode of uh, The Librarians, which was a, a TV show with John Larroquette. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, I did also get to appear as an extra in that one. And I'm very easy to see in that one, so that mm-hmm. was cool. Oh, wow. So, yes, I, I do appear in one episode of The Librarians. And the fun part I liked about it was there's a little bit of a Star Trek connection to that episode. Oh. Uh, the, they had a guest star uh, who was played by John DeLancey, who played Q in The Next right. Generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, even John Larroquette, who's a, an actor, mm-hmm. an award-winning actor from Night Court and things, uh, he actually played a Klingon once in Star Trek Three: the movie. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And the director of the episode was Jonathan Frakes, who also played Commander Riker in Next Generation. Oh, my gosh. So three guys, and they're all named John, which I thought was kind of funny. Interesting, yeah. Um, and so I got to stand there with all three of those guys, and I was a... I've been a fan of Star Trek off and on, so that was kind of fun to, to see all of those guys work close up. Wow. So that was that was fun. I mean, again, it was one day's work. You can't make a, a living off of that, but it was no, fun. But still, the fact that you got in there. Yep. Maybe I should look into something like that because I've always thought, you know, I've, I was an actor. I did acting in high school, and I've always loved it. So yeah. it would be kind of fun to see if that would get a, a call to be as an extra or something. Yeah, it was it was fun. I just hmm. you just don't get calls very often on, right. on the website that I used. I've got it might be three or four calls a year. So oh okay, <laughs> wasn't enough. So of course I had to keep doing other jobs, and I have had a lot of other jobs mm-hmm. <laughs> outside of radio because of one thing or another. I like I said, I I took a red radio job in Medford when I mm-hmm. graduated from college. So I moved to Medford. Is it a top forty station? That lasted oh, less than six months. Oh, okay. <laughs> it wasn't a very good station. Oh. It wasn't very well run, and uh, they decided they were going to change the format. And usually when the radio station changes the format, changes the music they play, mm-hmm. they usually get rid of the whole staff and start over and get oh, wow. new people. Interesting. They can't just keep the ones they no, have. No, no, <laughs> they usually don't. So, yeah, that job didn't last very long. And I didn't want to, I just moved to Medford, and I didn't want to go right back to Eugene. I, I didn't think I was ever going to live in Eugene again. I kind of wanted to, to you know, work my way up to the big city. That sure. Was, that was my plan. Uh, so when, when the Medford thing dried up, I moved straight to Portland. And well, that's there. a big city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a good career move, and mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends and family that lived in the area at the time. So, okay, um, I liked living in Portland. Um, I got a few part-time jobs. I couldn't find a full-time job in the time I was there. Um, I got a part-time job at a radio station there, part-time job at a TV station there. Uh, got a job at a, uh, a research company that called and did telephone surveys, which mm-hmm. was miserable work, but um, could not find full-time job. And then, of all things, I got a full-time job offer in Eugene. While you were <laughs> living in Portland. While I was living in Portland, <laughs> I'm thinking, I didn't want to move back to Eugene. Right. I said goodbye to Eugene forever. But um, a full-time job was, was kind of mm-hmm. needed, so I ended up moving back to Eugene, mm-hmm. and I've been back ever since so right it's just like 1986 i was gone for a year mm-hmm. and then came back when i moved back to eugene um i ended up moving into an apartment building and the late the girl who lived directly above me uh came out and introduced herself and said hello welcome to the apartments or mm-hmm. whatever and uh, uh about a year or so later i ended up marrying her oh okay she, she was she became my first wife so then um uh, at that time, I also had gotten a good full-time, that, that job offer that I'd gotten actually ended up being a pretty good, steady radio job. 
and radio jobs are not always very steady. Oh, okay. I've had a lot of them that didn't last long, but that one hmm. was one of the longer ones. And so yeah, I had a full-time radio job for five or six years and settled down, got married. We bought a house. Uh, we had a daughter. And so things hmm. were looking fairly stable in Eugene for a while. Mm -hmm. And then it all fell apart one year. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I got laid off from the job again. The this job, was the radio job. Yeah, the okay. radio job. They decided, uh, again, they were going to change the format. Oh, no. And <laughs> they didn't need, uh, they were going to do a fully automated format. So they didn't want to, and they didn't need any live people anymore. Right. So Which radio station was this then? Uh, at the time, it was called KKXO. Okay. Uh, it was 1450 AM. AM, okay. At the time. They, they'd been keyed. Before that and after that, I think they're still keyed now. Yeah, I think uh, so. But uh, at that time, it was for a little while. It was owned by a different company, and they had a different name. But mm -hmm. but that job kind of dried up, and I couldn't find another one very quickly. And mm. my wife kind of figured, well, if I'm not finding a job quickly, obviously I'm not motivated. And she just assumed that I well, just wanted to, to not work anymore. So she oh, wow. got, got <laughs> impatient with me. Um I was trying to explain that I, you know, I don't want to just work at Seven Eleven. You know, I want to find a career. A job. career, yeah. And she just didn't believe that for some reason. Um, but she ended up having several marriages and several divorces. So she just hmm. uh, she had a very difficult upbringing. Her childhood was not a happy one, and it just left her with a lot of difficult coping mechanisms. And mm -hmm. so. All of her marriages, when they began to get a little bit less than exciting, she would bail on them. And oh, wow. she did that over and over, unfortunately. Hmm. So, um, I, um, well, as long as we're going down the road with the marriage, I can <laughs> <laughs> then finish the story there. Was um, I was, and my parents raised me uh, in. in uh, we, they were actually founding members of, of the Asbury Methodist Church in mm -hmm. Eugene. Uh, we eventually moved, and we moved across town when I was uh, in seven. We moved to a different town or a different part of town, and we moved and we started going to a different church. But uh, we were always very active in church, and and faith has always been a big and important part of my life. Good. And so, when my marriage ended, I had uh, sort of a crossroads, and I had to think, sure. you know, what am I going to do now? Um, my whatever wherever this came from i don't know but my beliefs in marriage was that uh you know you're kind of not just making a promise to to be with somebody it's it's kind of the most sacred promise you make in your whole lifetime mm -hmm. and i can't speak for other people uh i just know that divorce is a huge issue in the country in mm -hmm. in the world and it really I, is i didn't want to be part of that problem mm -hmm. i always believe that a marriage commitment is supposed to mean something and it's not just a promise it's what they call a covenant it's something that's supposedly unbreakable mm -hmm. and so when you um, make that kind of a promise that you're really saying something that's very important and that uh, you're supposed to, to follow through with it. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. uh, when my wife left, uh, I told her, well, obviously I cannot stop you from, from getting a divorce. There's no way to, to stop a divorce in Oregon. But you can't stop me from uh, remaining faithful to my vows. And so I just told her, you know, I am not going to, you know, remarry. I am not going to uh, spend any time... 
uh, looking for anyone else. As long as you're around, you know, you are it for me and you will always be it for me. And that's it. Especially now that we mm. have a daughter that we've brought into the world. Yep. Uh, I would like her to be brought up by the two of us. We kind of agreed that we would raise this child together. And now suddenly you're, you're backing out on this and, mm -hmm. and I, don't, I don't feel that I can. Right. Um, I Good. can't, I can't forget that I made this, this permanent promise. So, mm -hmm. Uh, so that was how I chose to live my life. And so my wife did divorce me. She moved back to California where she was from and mm -hmm. my daughter and, uh, and my stepson moved with her. And so suddenly I was home alone. I was free to do whatever I wanted, but I continued to, I kept my wedding ring on and I continued wow. to honor my vows to her. And of course, look forward to whenever my daughter would visit and, mm that became my life and it was still always my goal to get my wife back and to get my family back and you know some people thought that was crazy some people thought well that's not going to last a few months and then he'll get tired of it or whatever mm -hmm. um you know it was it took a lot of explaining some awkward moments <laughs> from some people but uh it was sort of my cause it was my mm -hmm. it was uh you know what kind of what motivated me to to get through the day was just you know, knowing that i was doing something that I thought was right. And even if everyone else around me thought that it was a little strange. Did you have like close friends that were trying to talk you out or you say, why are you doing this or why? Uh, are you once in a while. Yeah. Right. Not too many, but yes, mm. there were some people that seemed concerned. It's just like <laughs> after about three or four years, they're going, you're still wearing your wedding ring. What's going on? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, nothing's changed. My commitment hasn't changed. You know, so, right. so I stuck with it. Even my parents made one try to, uh, interesting. To yeah. tell me that uh, maybe, you know, maybe you should start looking at some other options. <laughs> but I never did. Uh, I continued to honor that commitment and continued to wear the wedding ring and to always hope for uh, a reunion or a reuniting mm -hmm. with my wife um, until the day she died, which was 25 years later. So you wore the wedding ring for 25 years and then she passed away. Yep. 25 mm -hmm. years as a single person. It was right. a little bit longer. We were right. we were together officially for, well, we were together four years, and then the whole divorce process took another year. So 30 we, years. We were so. officially divorced. So, yeah, about 30 years. Wow. That uh, I was, yeah. But uh, a lot of those years I was single. Well, a lot of years that was not fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I was lonely a lot, uh, frustrated sometimes. Uh the fact that my daughter was being raised in California didn't make things very easy either. Mm. I definitely wanted to spend a lot more time with my daughter than I did and considered moving to California off and on a few times. Mm -hmm. But it just never quite seemed to be the right time, the right situation. There were even times when she would call me up and say, you know, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm having a lot of difficulty. It'd be really helpful if you lived close by so I could, you know, drop off your daughter and you could watch her sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, well, I'm not the one that left, and right. I'm, I'll help you any way I can, but I, I can't pack up, quit my job, and move just because it's to help you with babysitting. You know, mm -hmm. I, I need a little bit more of a commitment than that. Right. If you're saying, you know, let's make another go of it, yes, I will drop everything and come sure, back. Sure, sure. But, yeah, she didn't want to do that. So, But that definitely uh, had an impact on how my life was in the right, 90s right. and the 2000s. Well, what, what led to her not living with you and instead of you know, living down there? 
Uh, well, she liked freedom. She liked mm. doing what she wanted to do. Uh, she had a lot of her family in California, although uh. she didn't always get along too well with them either. Right. <laughs> she right. had lots of ups and downs with everybody. Mm. Um, but, and, you know, she had jobs and connections with people. And so, I mean, there's a lot more to the story. There's a lot of more details and, and right. about why she did certain things at certain times. And, and But just in a general case, that's <laughs> she moved to California. She never came back. And I never moved to California. And so my daughter would visit me two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. And that was always you know, my favorite time of the year. Mm-hmm. And it would set aside any vacation time I had or anything for her visits. So mm. we stayed as close as I could. But I could. Uh, while she was growing up mm-hmm. and uh, did the best I could as a, as a distant father. Right. And where does she still live down in California? Your daughter? Yeah. And yeah. yeah she still lives in California to this day. Uh, she graduated from college and uh, she got her master's degree. Wow. Uh, she's a wildlife bio- biologist and mm. she loves it and she's got a great job. And so she's really happy where she is. Yep. Um, I still try to get her to come up and visit once in a while since it's <laughs> it's not a visitation requirement anymore. So mm-hmm. it's a little harder to get her to come up here mm-hmm. once in a while. So I sometimes have gone down to visit her. Uh, we were down there, my, my uh, second wife, and uh, I were down there back in May. And so we keep in touch as best as, best as possible. Um, but uh, it's a little tougher now that she's older and uh, uh, things are a little bit... Uh, well, I think a little bit of you know, the way her mother raised her, a little bit of her mother's upbringing is kind mm. of passed on down to her. So oh. I think my daughter has, you know, a few struggles with, with certain things that mm. uh, that I think if she had been raised by two parents together, she might not have had. But might have been different. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no way to know, and we're making the best of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, she is, you know, working a steady job, and, and she's doing well, and... and uh, we communicate. I mean, she just had a birthday last week, and and so we still stay in touch, and which is good. Sure. So you mentioned you had a second wife. What's that's the one I know, <laughs> <laughs> and that's much more recently, obviously. Right. right. So yes, after many, many, many years, um, uh, what started it, of course, was my first wife uh, um, got diagnosed with cancer, and mm. she struggled with that for two or three years. And eventually, uh, she passed away in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, yes, the ring could finally come off and I could finally say, well, I've been wanting to have a family. I've been wanting to have a partner for many, many years. Uh, it's not going to go the direction I'd thought it was, but I definitely now want to continue to pursue that. And now I guess I need to look for someone else. It's a kind of scary after not having to, you know, I hadn't dated since the 1980s. Right. <laughs> now suddenly I got to start again. Yep. So it was exciting, but a little scary. Um, and at the time, now by this time, I, like I said, I've had several different jobs. Uh, at this point, um, I was, well, just starting. At, at the, well, actually, at the time she died, I wasn't working again, uh, which allowed me to do lots of traveling, which was helpful. So I could go to California to see her in the hospital, and I got to go to California to attend her funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, when my daughter got her master's degree, it was in uh, New Hampshire, so I got to go there and, and attend her graduation. Wow. So, But right after that, uh, the following year, I started working uh, for the Postal Service as a mailman. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, I'm working like crazy hours, 70, 80, 90 hours a week. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'm thinking, well, how am I going to meet anybody now? Right. Uh, so I tried something I'd always been curious about, which was the online, the you know, dating mm-hmm. uh, websites and things. I didn't really know much about it because I'd never tried it. But uh, And so I tried that. Uh, off and on for a year or two and you know didn't have a whole lot of success with it uh, and so I wasn't really thinking that this was going to end up being uh, worth the time it really probably wasn't going to lead to anything mm-hmm. but I had nothing else going on so I would still check the website once in a while and would go through and then one day uh, I got a message from someone else who had found me on the website mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, most of the people that I've come across on the website were out of state, you know, clear mm-hmm. across the country someplace. It's like, well, I can't, you know, get together with somebody if they no. live in Florida. Especially working 80 hours a week. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here was a call from somebody who actually lived here in town. So we looked at each other's profiles and all the stuff that she had written about her and all, all the stuff I wrote about me. And we, we liked what uh, we saw and we had a lot of things in common and... And so we decided to start communicating. We emailed for a few weeks and then decided that we should try to sit down and actually meet each other face to face. So we did that and and that went well. And almost immediately uh, we started dating and we were off. Mm-hmm. It was amazing how, how quickly and easily it happened after. Wow. <laughs> I mean, dating can be such a difficult process and a lot of struggles, a lot of frustrations, but this was just super simple and smooth and easy from day one. Oh, wow. It was like we, That's were, on great. The, we were on the first page. I'm on the same page from the first day. It was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing was, uh, one of the things that we had in common is we both like houses. We like uh, big houses. We like open houses. So we like to spend, I thought it'd be kind of fun as sort of a get to know each other thing. We could Mm. just, we would, instead of just going on your standard movie and a dinner date, uh, we could go look at open houses on weekends. Sure. That way we could, it was an activity we both enjoyed doing and we would have a chance to kind of get an idea of what sort of houses we we both liked. Mm -hmm. So I thought that'd be kind of fun. And so she was very systematic about it. She says, okay, well, write down the kind of houses, that the things in a house that you would like to have. You know, let's not waste our time looking at houses mm. that we wouldn't want. Sure. So we both made lists of the kind of things in a house that we like. And they were, of course, very similar lists, a lot of the same stuff. And so rather than going to open houses, she just plugged all that into a, to her computer and said, okay, here's the house. Found it. <laughs> just like that. And it's just like, uh, well, yeah, that does look like a good possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we should go look at it. Uh, so we went and looked at the house, and yes, we both liked it. It was big, uh, bigger than we'd ever lived in before, but we both liked big houses, and it had everything we wanted. And it was in a good neighborhood close to where my father lived and not too far from where her sister lived. Mm-hmm. But it was a little bit out of our price range, and we almost talked ourselves mm. out of not even trying for it. Mm-hmm. But we thought, well, let's at least you know make a bid on it. It's been for sale for quite a while, you know. Maybe they'll make us a deal. Mm-hmm. So we made a bid on it, and thinking they would counter it and say, well, no, that's way too low, or you're gonna need to do this. And I had the contingency that I had to sell my house first, and a lot of people wouldn't like that kind of a thing. So we were expecting lots of uh, pushback when we made the offer. Sure. And they called back the next day and said yes to everything. 
they said, okay. Okay. We're going. <laughs> so we're going. All right. Gosh, we got to buy a house now. <laughs> wow. Just like that. And yes. Was, and I suppose if we're buying a house to live in, we probably need to get married too. And uh, yeah, that would be. <laughs> and so that all happened very quickly. So yeah, between 1919 or 2019 and 2020, uh, that all came together very fast. And so wow. we got married in July of 2020. We moved into this house in the next month. And here right at the are. beginning of the whole COVID thing. Huh? Yes, that was the one hitch was we couldn't mm-hmm. get married in a church. We couldn't get the wedding ceremony we wanted because COVID right. had everything closed down. Oh, no. So we had to get married in her sister's backyard. Oh, there you go. And most of the my family live out of town, and they didn't uh, didn't feel comfortable making the trip. So right. it wasn't. It was not a huge crowd. Most of her family lives in this area, so they could come. Sure. So. Um, a few friends came. So it was a small, small ceremony, but it was great. Right. And so, yeah, that was 2020. So it's been over three years now, and it's been awesome. Wow. That is amazing story. That's the, you went from, when you started dating, what, a year before that? 2019? Yeah, well, I didn't really date at all. I mean, right. I, my my first wife passed away in 17, in 2017. Right. Um. A couple of years went by where I was on websites, I was looking around, but I didn't really meet anybody. I didn't date at all. I didn't sure. have a chance to do anything because of my work schedule. And then we connected in the middle of, of 2019, so mm-hmm. that was two years later. And then we got married less than a year after we first met. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we got we connected like in August and September. I think we met for the first time in September. Right. And then we got married the following July. That's a huge shift in. <laughs> yeah, my whole life got turned upside down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the only thing that was still kind of a, a nuisance was the job. I was still working crazy hours at the post oh, office. Oh, that's right. And so after one year, I ended up seeing, a, I got a job offer for a different company mm-hmm. uh, managing an, an oxygen and CPAP supply company. And they needed a manager. So I left the post office and took that job over. And then that made it, things even better because now I had weekends off and and had more respectable working hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up being not that great of a company. And I didn't end up staying with that job. Uh, I, I lived about a year and a half. Uh, then my father was having some health issues mm-hmm. and That's some right. other things going on. So I ended up uh, stepping away from that job. Um, and then helping my dad, he was moving from his house to a, to a senior community place. And then he had a, a couple of health issues. He was in the, in and out of the hospital for a little bit. And then even though he'd had all these health issues, he always seemed surprisingly healthy and, and upbeat about everything. And so we, he died very unexpectedly one day mm-hmm. back in January. And then we had to deal with his house and all of his belongings and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff to sort through. Uh, my brother, who'd been married for 30 years, uh, also went through a divorce not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he doesn't really have a permanent home at this moment <laughs> because they had to sell the family house. So oh, wow. now that we've got all of my parents' things, uh, he can't really take much of it right now. So mm. uh, we're, we had to divide it all and figuring out who wanted what. And then uh, depending, even if it was mine or his, it's pretty much all here in the house for the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he finds a, a situation better. So 
fortunately, we have a big house, so that uh, that worked out There's well. There's plenty of storage. So, yes, our, we have a huge garage, but it's stuffed full of uh, lots of furniture. And oh, things wow. Because uh, it's, a lot of it's for my brother. Oh. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah, so changing jobs, uh, changing homes. I ended up living in the, the house that my first wife and I bought. We lived in, I lived in that house for 31 years. Was that that was up here in Eugene? Yeah, right? that was over by not too far from Churchill High School. Okay, so that's kind okay. of my old neighborhoods. And mm-hmm. So now I've moved clear across town, but this was close to where my dad was living when we moved here. Sure, yeah, um, he, he wasn't very far away from here. No, no, he used to walk over sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, yeah, new job, new house, new wife. Uh, everything changed about three years ago, mm-hmm. and so wow, it's been uh, it's been exciting, but it's been awesome. Um, I couldn't be happier. Um, I've got a great wife and, mm-hmm. uh, I she know, is great. We all like her and, uh, I'm going to do my best to, to take good care of her mm-hmm. and, uh, and we love our house and, and we love our lives. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have three cats. We have four, four, cats. four cats. <laughs> yeah. Yep. When I, when we got married, I had two. Mm-hmm. And she had one, mm-hmm. so we got together. We had three, and then another one about a year ago. Another one just moved in with us one day. I've adopted you guys. Yeah, just showed up at the back door and said, "Let me in." Sure. And <laughs> we thought, "Are you sure you know what you're getting into, cat?" Uh, but yeah, she's a character. So, so yes, now we have four, but that's enough, right? <laughs> so, uh, other than other than radio jobs, has have you had any other jobs that? Uh, that, are, that were unique? Oh, yes. Many other jobs. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Outside of radio, uh, I guess the, the first big left turn I took was uh, when, I, when my first marriage ended and I got laid off from the radio job and I just needed to find something. Uh, I ended up uh, applying for a job. I didn't even know what it was. I mean, I talk about bad planning. I went to an interview cold. I didn't, I went to a... a oh, no. A, an interview, a company called Jmar Biologicals. That name sounds familiar had, for some reason. I didn't even know what it was. Right. Like, what do you do there? What hmm. I had no clue. That was my first question. I did the whole interview, and after the question, every interview was over, I said, do you have any questions? I said, yeah, well, what do you do here? Because I did, still didn't know. Oh, wow. It was a plasma donation center. <laughs> it's kind of like a blood bank, only mm-hmm. uh, it's just plasma, which is basically just the water in your system. Mm-hmm. And it's owned by a private company. So what they do is if you go and donate, they pay you for coming in and donating. Right. And so it was a completely foreign uh, concept to me. I didn't, I'd never heard of it, didn't know anything about it. Hmm. Uh, but they had needed an assistant manager. And one of their assistant manager requirements was they needed someone with a college degree. Right. Which I did have. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with, with medical or <laughs> anything related to what this was. Um, I sometimes wonder if, if they just hired me just because the manager was sending a message to his supervisors who all were vying for the same job. Right. They all thought they were going to get promoted and he hired me from the outside with, you know, I had no right getting that job. I had no experience, Uh. no correct background. (laughs) Um, I had been a manager technically for a radio station, but I was a manager for a station of one person. I was my own boss. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't have, I'd never had no experience in supervising other people either. So yeah, it was a crazy, crazy uh, situation. But for some reason I got hired and it was miserable. The training was difficult and complicated, but what, what 
turned the whole thing around was the boss that hired me. I was the assistant manager. The guy in charge of the facility was the manager. He got caught embezzling. Oh, no. So he was quickly ousted. <laughs> and so Jeez. I had only been through a little bit of the training. So suddenly I was sort of the manager. Mm-hmm. They called me the interim manager. They figured, you know, they would find someone with more experience to come in and take over. And mm-hmm. I'd go back to being the assistant. But for whatever reason, the timing and it's a national company and they didn't want to, they couldn't find anyone who wanted to move to Eugene to become the manager. So I was the wow. interim manager for about four or five months. And they finally said, well, no one else seems to want that job. So, mm-hmm. and you haven't burned the place down yet. So I guess you might as well just stay as the manager. Oh my goodness. So I stayed as the manager of this facility for another four years, four or five years. Wow. Um, and it was amazingly successful. Again, I had absolutely no reason right. <laughs> to be successful. I had no experience to draw back. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going through, and this was right when I was going through my divorce, so my life was a mess. Um, and yet, again, I sort of felt like, uh, you know, somebody upstairs might have had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was exactly the sort of job I needed, something that made me feel needed and important and required a tremendous amount of focus and concentration so I couldn't dwell on my circumstances. Mm -hmm. So I was the manager of a plasma center for about four or five years. Um, But it was hard work and the job got harder and harder. And one day my mother actually pointed out that there was an ad in the paper for a business for sale, something that I would be much more interested in, Mm -hmm. uh, a video store. (laughs) And so, like VHS videos. Yeah, this was back back when videotape DVDs sure. hadn't even come out yet. This oh was wow! A videotape video store. Um, back when you know in the nineties, there were lots of them in Eugene. What kind was it, or which which name was it? It was uh, called Premier Video. Premier Video. They'd been around for like twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, at one time, they even had two locations, but it was a locally owned video store. Hmm. And this one was it was down to one location now, and it was on campus, at the corner of Nineteenth and Agate. Mm-hmm. And it was for sale uh, because the guy that owned it was, he was seeing the DVDs were coming and it was probably the wisest time to get out of the video store business mm. was right about then, which okay. was 1998. Uh, but I couldn't resist. I mean, here was something that I, that I was much more interested in doing. And now I've got five years of running a business experience. Mm-hmm. And so I did it. I quit my job and bought a video store. Wow. And I ended up doing that for another 10 years. I owned that video store. Didn't make hardly any money. Right. Because <laughs> that was right when tapes were changing to DVD. So I basically had to change it and buy a whole new library of movies. And then, of course, then there was Blu-rays and HDs. Mm-hmm. All, those, all the other new technologies were all starting to come out and streaming and cable services and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, Redbox vending machines, all of this stuff was just starting to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was a bad time to get into the business, but I just loved it so much. I didn't want to stop doing it. So I mm-hmm. probably did it much longer than I should have. Um, but so I, what years were those that you owned that store? Do you remember? From 98 to 2008. 2008, okay. In 2006, I actually moved the store uh, from... Uh, 19th and Agate to down on uh, Villar, just off of Franklin. So the mm-hmm. um, yeah, where there's a, a Hirons store mm-hmm. and, a, and a grocery store, and uh, 
it's now uh, if you go out to the location now, it's it's a Subway sandwich shop. Oh, that's okay. That used that's to right. be my video store. Hmm. I can even, I got my computer right behind me. I can show you pictures. But <laughs> anyway, wow. Um, that I was I had a space problem, and moving there uh, did solve the space problem, and the rent was a lot cheaper. So I thought that would work well. But uh, I, I moved away from all the people who were coming within walking distance. I moved oh, away from a lot of people who, sure. who like to walk to the store. That mm-hmm. was a great intersection at 19th and Agate. A lot of businesses there, mm-hmm. a lot of walk-in traffic. So I actually didn't do myself any favors by moving. Mm-hmm. And after two years of just keeping the place open, uh, business got a little worse every month. And I finally just said, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just can't do this. So And now with Matt Knight Arena right there, that would have been great. Well, uh, people don't go to video stores. Anymore. Well, that's true. They I guess. really don't. So um, uh, I just had to have a going out of business sale in 2008. And so um, because that store wasn't making money, a lot of the time I owned that business, I was also working elsewhere. <laughs> I had other jobs too. Ah. And probably the one I had the longest was I got a job at Fox TV. Oh, Wow. And so I was doing that at the same time I owned the video store, uh, working in the master control room, basically just sitting there pushing buttons. It was fairly simple, but it was for 10-hour shifts a week. Um, but so you worked 40 hours a week while you owned a... Yep. <laughs> wow. And then I got a call from one of the radio station, one oh. of the radio stations I had worked at previously. Mm-hmm. They needed some weekend help, too. Oh, wow. And so I did that, too. So I, did, I had a weekend radio job and a full-time TV job, and I owned a video store. I had three jobs at <laughs> one time for a couple years there. Right. And oh, my goodness. Get me busy, but... And this is the Fox that was over on, over on Chad, right? Yeah, they're still yeah. there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that was between, uh, like, 2003 and 2008 when I was doing all that. Mm. But then the video store ended, and then I decided to look for a little bit more of a serious job. And I ended up, since I had worked in the plasma center before, mm-hmm. I got hired at the blood bank in town. In, in Eugene? In Eugene, yeah. Originally, for 50 years, their name was Lane Memorial Blood Bank. Mm-hmm. Over on Willamette, right? Yep, yep. and they're still there. Uh, but then when I was there, they changed their name uh, to uh, Lane Blood Center. Mm-hmm. They wanted to upgrade their image because they thought it was a little outdated. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a couple of years, then they merged with uh, Puget Sound Blood Center, and so they had to change their name again. So oh. now they're called <laughs> Bloodworks, Bloodworks Blood Northwest. Still the same location, same right? location, just different name. But yeah, they've changed their name twice in the last uh, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a job there uh, as a supervisor and uh, really loved that job. That was a great company. While it was still an, an independent entity, uh, that was a great company to work for. Great benefits, um, great people. The people there. I used to deliver there for FedEx, and they are really nice people. Yeah, well, everybody there was nice. Yeah, I, yep. I really loved that job. I was one of the, probably the most fulfilling job I ever had. Uh, it was not. I wasn't a manager. I was a supervisor, but so I did have some authority over some people and a sort of middle management. Although while I was there, my manager actually ended up resigning. And so for there were three or four months there, I was doing her job as well as mine. Oh, wow. And I thought maybe I'd get promoted to her job, the manager of uh, that department. Uh, but then they ended up hiring someone from the outside. And so I went back to the supervisor position. But And then when, like I said, then they changed, they merged with uh, Puget Sound and changed their name to Bloodworks. And everything kind of changed then. And uh, they don't even... Um, my job was 
the, the, what they call the component laboratory. All the donations have to be processed. They have sure. to be made into different products. You can make several different products out of a blood donation. And how it labels, how it's stored, how it's delivered kind of depends on what product you make it out of. And anyway, I was the supervisor sure. for the lab that oversaw all of that. And then a little sample has to be sent off for testing. Every single donation is tested oh, to make wow. sure that it's good. Because you you're giving it to someone else as a, as sure. a medication. Yeah. <laughs> so it has, that's a federal law that you have to do that. Um, but anyway, uh, after they merged, they no longer have a lab in Eugene. All that stuff got forwarded up to Seattle, where their headquarters is. So, so it gets shipped up there first? So, yeah. All the, the donations are just taken up there, so there's no need for a lab. There's no need for testing or componentizing or storage. Or um, They do a little bit of delivery, but it's sort of backwards. They all go up to, to Seattle, and then it, it's completed and then sent back to us, and then they deliver to the local hospital's uh, mm. after they've gotten it back. So, wow. But the blood collected, it could be from Eugene, it could be from Seattle, it could be from Alaska, it could be from oh, wow. anywhere in the Northwest. Uh, so it's kind of an, it's very different than it was, and it's very corporate, and a lot of things got changed, and a lot of people left, a lot mm-hmm. of jobs were downsized, and yeah, it was very, very different. And so I was one of the first people to go, uh, as it turned wow. out, uh, when that all happened, which was 2014, I guess it was. Mm. Um, so after 2014, then I started working for Royal Caribbean for a little while. Oh. Answering telephones and selling mm-hmm. cruises and stuff. Did that for wow. about two or three years. Hmm. Um, but that job, they have a very unique <laughs> way of dealing with employees. And um, I guess they're closed down now. I think COVID basically wiped out the call center. Oh, okay. I mean, they have that huge you know, thousand it's person a big building call center. Right. Uh, but after COVID, they basically, as far as I know, it's completely shut down now. Nobody's, nobody's in there anymore. Well, I would assume that you could probably do a lot of that call center work from, from your own home. Right. Uh, even though they were very much wanting to control their information mm-hmm. and were very careful, you know, you were not allowed to even photograph your own cubicle. No way. Um, yeah, <laughs> and when people got fired, you weren't even allowed to go back to your cubicle. They would, someone else would pick up all of your things and meet you at the front door. Uh, they <laughs> really wanted to control information. So how they did that from people working from home now, I don't know. That was after. It's I not the CIA. It's just <laughs> <laughs> it seems so weird. Highly competitive I industry, guess. apparently. Um, and of course, with COVID, that didn't help their business either. Right. So I don't right. know how they're doing now. But I was gone before COVID. I was there about three years, and then that finally ended and ended up going, I think I worked at Safeway for a couple of months. And then, uh, then I got the post office, uh, offer. Oh, okay. What did you do at Safeway? Uh, uh they were having a, a hiring fair. And so I went to that cause I guess they had an opening for a manager position. So mm-hmm. I was going there to find out about the management position. Uh, then they offered me an entry level position. Basically, a night okay. stalking boy. And I was just oh, like, really? I'm yeah. in my 50s, and you're offering me the night stalker, uh, that you know, the teenager job? Why? Uh, but unfortunately, I was on unemployment at the time. And if you're on unemployment, and there's a record of you being offered a job, you kind of have to take it. Uh, or no. you lose your benefits. Yep. So yep. I had to accept it. So I worked as a night stocking boy <laughs> for a month or two. Uh, my boss, who was like 19 years old, uh, said... You know, I really like your 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 attitude and your ability, your your dependability. Your you know, you're all the things all my other employees are not. But you're also a lot slower than all the rest of them. 
And oh, brother. so I, yeah, you're not doing, you're not holding up your end and, and the night shift. And so I'm, I, there's only one thing I can do with you and that's promote you. <laughs> so, well, there you go. So I became a courtesy clerk. So then I worked evenings from like six to midnight, you know, just, you know, wandering around in an apron, you know, clean up on aisle five, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And so I did that for another couple of months until I got the job offer from the post office. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, so blood bank, plasma center, TV, radio, uh, Royal Caribbean, uh, Safeway, and then the Oxygen and CPAP supply company there at the end. Uh, so I've dabbled in medical two or three times. Sure. But I don't really have any medical experience or background or training, but there it is. Um, but, yeah, and throughout all of that, a lot of part-time radio. Um, sure. The, the last thing I did at radio was, um, well, while I was at the video store, I got a full-time job for about three years at uh, – well, at that time was called uh, Oldies ninety nine point one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then they changed their name to Cool. Right. <laughs> and I got laid off from my full time job. And then they called the same company, called me back two or three years later to do weekends. And so I did weekends on ninety nine point one FM from two thousand five until twenty twenty for fifteen years. Mm. I did a weekend shift until COVID. Sure. And then COVID came along and they said, well, we have to get rid of all of our part-timers. Oh, boy. And they said, well, we'll probably hire you back in a couple of months. Never did. I kept calling them back every few months going, are you, are you ever going to hire the COVID people, mm-hmm. the, the part-timers back? And they kind of said, well, you know, we're, we're getting along pretty well, I guess, with things as they are. So probably not. Oh, I boy. Never definitely said yes or no. But um, so that's when I, you know, I went ahead to the oxygen company and did other things and, and. But now, at this very moment, um, oh, and I left out the summer. This past summer, I worked for the Lane, for Lane County on a mm-hmm. road crew. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> with uh, cutting vegetation. You know, they needed oh. and uh, they lawn mowing to produce the, the reduce the fire you risk. You drove the mower? or you? No, you have, need a little more training than that. But oh. they need another person to drive behind the mower in another truck. To warn the... With flashing lights other, saying, yeah. yes, warning, there's a mower ahead. <laughs> Right. Plus, to keep an eye, it's also got a water tank in it. So if uh, if the mower does start a fire in the vegetation and the brush, then you can pull up ah. and, and douse it with the water tank, mm-hmm. which fortunately didn't happen. Right. But that was a temp job just for the summer, and that just ended about a month ago. And so now I'm looking for for work again. I'm getting kind of old <laughs> to look for new jobs. Right. Um, you know, when you're in your 60s, you start to thinking about retirement. My dad retired in his f- mid 50s. Right. And here I am in my 60s still looking for jobs. But uh, uh, I still think I got one or two more good jobs in me and hope I can do something to, to, you know, support the household a little bit. My wife has got a great job. And, you know, so we're doing okay. But uh, yeah, isn't she working for a financial firm? At the she works. Uh, she's a bookkeeper for a law firm. Okay. Oh, that's what, yeah. And uh, yeah, doing really well. And uh, she's great at that, too. So and so she's also great with uh, doing the household bookkeeping too mm-hmm. so yeah that helps that's very helpful uh so that takes us up to, to, to today i think you should check on uh indeed that's a really neat website oh, I do. They, yeah they they i see lots of management positions on there sometimes but yeah and but i'm not sure at this age if i want to you know take on more of the management headaches ah, gotcha. I, mean, I do have the experience but uh th- that last job i had in management here just this past year uh, was not an easy one. Um, we were understaffed, and 
um, when you have a national company, when you're managing a local office for a national company, there's a lot of stuff that you can't do. And, oh, uh, gotcha. It was very limiting and very challenging mm-hmm. and uh, frustrating. So, yeah, I mean, I'm free to go in a lot of different directions, but, um, yeah, management, it would have to be uh, something I really felt strong and comfortable doing, mm-hmm. something that I would want to do, you know, like maybe if another video store opened up or something. But <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no, with the, haven't yeah. seen too many openings there. No. Uh, so, any case, um, we'll see what happens. Right. But, uh, but life's good in the meantime. I'm still keeping plenty busy with, you know, sorting s- stuff for my father. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we had thousands of photographs going through and, and slides and, and lots of other things and books. So plenty to keep busy with. So in, in those years where you were um, single, mm-hmm. did you, I mean, what kind of hobbies did you develop as a person to, to pass your time? What kind of stuff did you dabble in? Well, even before I owned a video store, I loved watching movies. Sure. So I rented yep. movies constantly. Nice. Recorded a lot of movies off of cable or TV so I could watch them over and over again because uh, I had a lot of favorites. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it took me years. to. I have a huge library of movies now that I've held on ah. to. And I know a lot of people, of course, they, it's all in the cloud and they don't keep things around right. the house. But, mm-hmm. but I've kept them all. And mm-hmm. I still have actually hundreds of, of videotapes that I couldn't get rid of. That right. I don't particularly want to keep, but still have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, definitely movies was always a big part of that. And uh, I usually play softball every summer. Oh, neat. Um, Good. In the last 10 years or so, I've also been playing volleyball uh, other seasons that in the fall, spring, and winter. I thought I would get back in doing some theater, but I never really did. Uh, so that's still uh, an option. <laughs> um, was always active in my church all these years, too. Right, good. And um, uh, what else did I do? Um, not a whole lot. I mean, I didn't travel much. Um, didn't try not to spend a lot of money because there were a lot of years I was struggling and the video store lost ah. a ton of money. So for <laughs> right. many mm-hmm. years after the video store closed, I was still paying off a lot of debts. So I was, you know, trying to live as conservatively as I could, not mm-hmm. spend a lot of money and uh, try to catch up on those bills. It took me, I think, like 11 years to pay off the, the business after it closed uh, with all the bills. But... Uh, the blood bank helped. That was uh, that was that was paid really well. So that helped me catch up pretty quick. Wow, that's that's <laughs> you. I mean, your your whole you. I mean, you look. You talk about all. You look back at all these different jobs, how they added up to who you are today. And it's just it's just amazes me that you can. I don't know. I mean, most people they spend their life. They spend most of their life in one career. You've you're a conglomeration of yes. careers. And I wanted to. I wanted to have one career. I wanted to find my passion and Mm -hmm. and stick with it. I just never found it. Right. Maybe I want to, you know, radio might be it Mm because I've done more of that than anything else, but only 13 years of it's full time. Mm -hmm. uh, So that's not a huge chunk. Right. (laughs) And and I still might even get back to it more. We'll see. But but yeah, I, I always figured I would find something. I mean, my dad was a school teacher. Right. He didn't do anything else. Right. Uh, my brother maybe did two things. I mean, he worked in journalism and then he became a writer. So that's not too much of a change. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing that his whole life. I don't know what to call me, you know, if right. And my obituary, I don't know what it's going to say as far as what my career was mm-hmm. <laughs> because I had so many different sure. ones. So, uh, 
Yeah, that was and that was something I wanted to do. I wanted to have. I just assumed I would find a career, right? But never found it. Yeah, not officially. That's the same. It is with uh, with my parents. I mean, my dad was a home builder contractor from mm-hmm. early twenties till. I mean, he's eighty now. I mean, he's obviously retired. But mm-hmm. my mom, she taught school for thirty five years, and yeah. it's just they just there were the two jobs in my family. <laughs> but I think and and. Different times, that was much more the case. It was mm-hmm. much more common. Right. I think it's a little less common now where people stay in the same career their whole lives. Mm-hmm. People jump around quite a bit these days. Right. Yeah, I had, I've had two. I was a cabinet, I worked in a cabinet shop and then with FedEx. So those, those two started in 94. So since 94, I've been in two jobs. And if I, I, to me, it blows me, it blows me away. It's 28 some years and, yeah. Yeah. When I've met other people who have had, you know, gobs of completely different jobs, mm-hmm. I always sort of perceive that as a weakness. It's just like, oh, you just couldn't hold a job couldn't in one, hold, in one right. area. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes you think, yeah, I wish I had a, a steady career in something. Right. I'd like to look back and say, yeah, I did something very successfully for a long time, but I can't, just can't do that. And uh, made the best of each situation and every job as it's come along. I've always, I mean, I, I very rarely quit a job just because I didn't like it. Um, I right. can only think of two jobs in my whole life. I ever actually just quit. Right. And one of them was this last one I had with, uh, with the, uh, oxygen CPAP company. Mm-hmm. So you, you are, you said your childhood was very musical. Do you still listen to a lot of music now? Is that one of your other hobbies too? Oh, sure. Always. Yeah. I've always got music playing on my computer mm-hmm. and always when I'm driving anywhere, got music going. Yeah, definitely love music, especially from last century. <laughs> right. Before. Right. My dad raised me on classical music, so mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of classical as well as movie soundtracks. I love those. And just uh, all the music that I've uh, played over the years through the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah, my my wife was saying that the 99.1, they're a whole different format now. Yeah, they They changed changed. about, I don't know, two, three months ago. Mm -hmm. And now they're called The Beat, I think it is. Right. And they play, again, music geared for younger people. Oh, wow. So, yeah, now even that station plays music I'm not that familiar with. So we don't really have a classic classic rock station anymore. Well, KZL still. That's true. KZL still plays. They have a pretty small Mm. playlist, though. So if you listen to them for three days, you've pretty much heard heard, (laughs) almost everything they're Mm -hmm. playing. Which, um, anyway, every station's got their philosophies on on how to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, And I've worked at one time or another at almost all stations in town. I mean, Mm. I worked at KZL briefly. Wow. (laughs) Um, KRVM, KWAX, um, KUGN. um, KDuck, right? Yeah, K-Duck, yep, New Country 93, um, um, a station that was, but new mix, it was called Magic 94 for mm-hmm. many years. Magic I 94. worked for Magic, so yeah, I'm <laughs> kicked around Wow. most of the stations. A lot of stations that don't exist anymore, like KKXO or, or The Hawk, for example. The Hawk, that brings back memories. Yeah, so. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. come and go. Wow. I would I would love to just to even if I just was if I had the time to volunteer just to just to see how it all works in there. It's always been fascinating to yeah, me how the radio works. It is. Back in the old days there was a couple of stations that had an office downtown and mm-hmm. like the studio was just a big front plate glass window right on the street. Oh wow. So you could just stand there on the street and watch the DJ work. That would be neat. Yeah, that was that might be a little days. distracting for the DJ. <laughs> but well, that's what they did. Right. Wow. 
Where was that you said? In the bigger oh, cities? Down, no, that was downtown in Eugene earlier, oh, okay. back in the 70s. Hmm. Even Magic 94, when it first signed on the area, it was on 8th Street in Eugene. Mm-hmm. Um, there, the, the, the studio wasn't right at the front window. There was like a, a room in between the front window and the mm-hmm. studio. But you could still see the studio wow. from the front window. Hmm. Um, I know when I was in high school, I went to Sheldon and visited mm-hmm. the, uh, the KRVM yep. uh, where the students did their broadcasting. And that was really neat to see. You know, I think that's the only high school that's broadcasting. I think now, so, yeah. Which is uh, too bad. I loved it when all four high schools had that opportunity. That, mm-hmm. was, that was really cool how that was set up. Yeah, I'm not sure what the situation was and why I was. I went there with a couple group with a, with a group of a couple people. Mm-hmm. It was neat to see how they do everything because I, you know, I'd hear the station, I've listened to them, but yeah, that was neat. So yeah, I should give them a call. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I mean. Nope. They're uh, they're student led, aren't they? Don't they? Um, well, a lot of students, but a lot of volunteers. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm not that as familiar with the with their setup now as it was mm-hmm. uh, when I started back in the seventies. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so it's a little bit different. I actually worked also for KRVM briefly uh, mm-hmm. in the nineties. Uh, they would also do broadcasts of of like basketball games for example they right. would, they would do yes. their own high school sports I remember that yep and i was hired for one year to be an advisor to the mm-hmm. student sports broadcasters so that was kind of fun hmm. i just did that briefly for one year so yeah i technically have worked not just volunteered but worked for for KRVM before mm-hmm. too but yeah a lot of a lot of things are volunteer so it just depends on um, the station and its format and if it's a you know, owned station or if it's a public station and those sorts of things like KLCC, KWAX, those are, mm-hmm. those are public stations that require donations and have to have fundraisers and mm-hmm. all of that. So the, the one at UVO, the KWVA, is that, that's all run by the UVO, obviously, right? It's just... Yes, that's an on-campus one. That was another mm-hmm. interesting thing is the university sort of has two stations. They have KWAX, mm-hmm. which used to be on campus. Right. And they were on campus when I was a student and when I volunteered for them. Uh, then they kind of got taken off campus and was run much more like a professional business. And so they got away from using college students anymore. So sure. there's still a college radio station, but hmm. they don't have much connection with the college since they don't have students. Right. And they're not on campus. So the campus got another station. Oh, so wow. that one was for students. Mm-hmm. So they kind of took the place. So yeah, they've, yeah, that don't, that was after I left. So I don't really know anything right. about that station other than the fact that, yeah, that one's. Definitely more student related, right? There's a couple shows on KWV. I like they have a they have a jazz and funk hour that I listen to every once in a while. But yeah, it's good. They do a good job. Yeah, public stations they often do a lot of jazz. So that's mm-hmm. that's a popular station kind of format that doesn't always make a lot of money. No, so professional stations don't always do jazz. At least not unless you're in a really big city. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of the volunteer stations do it. What ab- what about traveling? You like to travel much? Have you do Gone. I do like to travel, and I have traveled a lot, but there have been so many years when I was pinching pennies and, and mm-hmm. didn't. So Sure, it uh, does cost a lot of money. So I haven't as much. Uh, in the last three years, my wife and I haven't gotten too far away. We went to California a couple of times to visit my daughter, and mm-hmm. last time we stopped at Disneyland while we were down there. So that was fun. Um, I did a lot of traveling when I had business trips. The Plasma Center 
job. Got to do a lot of business trips. Oh. And that was kind of fun. So in the five years I was there, I got to go to um, Palm Springs, uh, Colorado Springs. Beautiful uh, city, Colorado da- Springs. Yeah. Salt Lake City, Dallas, mm-hmm. um, Atlanta. Oh, wow. Uh, Fort Lauderdale, Orlando, and San Juan, Puerto Rico. Whoa, there you go. Those were all business trips. Uh, from Puerto Rico was a business trip. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> well, they have, um, well, we did, uh, the company that we, we were at what was called a contract center without getting into too much detail. Uh, right. In other words, all the product that we collected was sent to one place. Hmm. And at that time, the company, uh, the familiar name is Bayer, like aspirin. Oh, yeah. They okay. were the ones that we, we dealt with. And, mm-hmm. and once a year, Bayer would have an annual meeting. And it was usually in a fun, exotic, warm place in the wintertime. And every year it was a different place. So, yeah, one, the last year I went, it was in uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, which was a blast. Because, wow. yeah, it was right That's there on the beach. And uh, they had a casino in the lobby. And, <laughs> and <laughs> You probably didn't need, I don't think, do you need a passport to go to Puerto Rico? No, no, you don't. It's all American. Yeah. And in fact, uh, the week I quit the Plasma Center to, to buy the video store, uh, I already had my plane tickets. I was supposed to go to uh, New Orleans the next week. Mm. But I didn't go because I got a different job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I've never been to New Orleans. kind of always think, I should have gone to New Orleans. I should have kept my job one more week. That is a city I want to see too, New Orleans. Well, for me, mainly because of the food. But, <laughs> but my parents traveled a right. lot and... The fun thing, too, was since, like I said, they were both teachers, so mm-hmm. we all had summers off. Right. So we would travel a lot every summer. We could go anywhere, and we could take as much time as we wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite was when I was 15, we drove to the East Coast and back. Wow. So, yeah, we went through about 20 states mm-hmm. and saw all the all the touristy things from Mount Rushmore to, to oh, New wow. York City, Washington, D.C. and um, Good memories. That's a great, wow. Yeah. So that was a long, we took, we, we took a month to do it. Wow. And that's great. You can take, you know, a month, your parents can take a month off from working. Sure, they both teach. Go so. on a road trip. Yep. And so, but yeah, we went to, and that was probably the biggest trip. And then after uh, I grew up and became an adult and my parents were retired, then they did a lot of traveling on their own. And they went to Europe a couple of times and Australia mm-hmm. and New Zealand. And they, they always traveled quite a bit. Yeah, Australia is quite the culture, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've never been there, but I've, I've, yeah. And my daughter seems to like traveling too. She's traveled quite a bit mm-hmm. already, um, which amazed me. I, like, like I said, last week it was her birthday and I tried to call her and she says, well, I'm not home. I said, and I texted her and she texts back uh, lunch later and she says, well, I'm not home. I'm in Austria. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Well, I <laughs> didn't that's even know that was, <laughs> she wow. was going to Austria, but okay, cool. Wow. I'll have to hear more about that later on. Yeah. So, Wow. So she's got the travel bug in her Oh, then. she does. She's been to South America a couple of times. Mm-hmm. She's been to Europe a couple of times. Hmm. I'd have to update all my travel passports so I can I couldn't go anywhere at this point, but Yeah, know. that was another another trip I could mention was after my mother passed away, I asked my dad, were there any trips that you guys had planned but hadn't done yet? Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, yeah, there was one. We were going to take a cruise on the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. and we never got to it." And I really wanted to do that. And I said, well, if you still want to go, I, I could go with you. And we did. So uh, my father and I took a cruise on the Mediterranean. So we wow. went to France and Italy and Spain. Oh, wow. So Beautiful. I'd never been to Europe, so that was exciting for me. I mm-hmm. mean, a 
cruises are kind of designed for couples, though. So it was they, yeah, kinda, yeah, kind of funny going with your father. But anyway, right? Uh, I'm glad I went because yeah, I'd never gotten to see Rome or or all those other places over there. It is a beautiful part of the world. Leaning Tower of Pisa and all those mm-hmm. fun touristy things. So yeah, that was awesome. Wow. Yeah, my my wife and I want to do one of those Alaskan Alaskan to our cruises. Well, now that you mention it, when I worked for Royal Caribbean, mm-hmm. uh, they do give the employees one free cruise mm-hmm. that you have to use between your first and second year. Um, and so I went to Alaska. Um, there you go. Again, since I didn't have a partner at the time, mm-hmm. uh, I brought my brother along for that one. Okay. And so, yeah, I got to go to Alaska back in 2016. Mm. I really want to do that. So. I'm sure I've heard it's amazing, the scenery and the, yeah. Yeah, it was it was great. I loved it. Um I wish uh, it was only a week. It seems like it, it wasn't long enough. It would have liked to. Right. Have, you don't go very far inland when you're cruising to Alaska. Oh. You're just kind of on the skimming along the, the ports. Uh-huh. So you don't get to see a lot of Alaska. Right. But uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't mind going up there again. But I'm mm-hmm. glad, I, glad I got to see some of it. Mm-hmm. Did you see any whales? Yes. Nice. did take a tour. Uh, and there's like this little bay someplace where mm-hmm. there's all these, there's thousands of tour boats all mm-hmm. sitting in this bay waiting for all the whales to oh come brother. up. Oh, brother. Yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, so, yeah, I got lots of pictures of that, too. I just want to see the icebergs break off into the water, and that's something you everybody shows on their videos. And <laughs> yeah. It looks so amazing to me, but... Well, yeah. you, you might have to watch one for a while to see something break off. Oh. <laughs> they, they don't happen constantly. All the time, yeah. But, yeah, there's lots of glaciers up there. In one place, I forget where I was now, they have, like, the visitor center where you can see the, the glacier. Now they kind of have to move the visitor center because you can't see the glacier anymore from where the visitor center is because mm-hmm. the glacier has gotten so much smaller. Right. So <laughs> there's that going on up there, too. Right. Interesting. So, I mean, obviously... Royal Caribbean's not around anymore, so I'd have to find somewhere else to get a cruise through there. But well, um, they're still in business. Um, oh, okay. They just the the local the building is, yeah, is not yeah. in use. You drive up to the building; it's just down the street from here, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's like cordoned off. You can't even go into the parking lot. Oh wow! So the building is obviously not being used. Hmm. But uh, oh yeah, they're still in business. They're still one of the biggest cruise uh, companies out there. Hmm. Their cruise ships are like the biggest ones i mean they're they're making every year they make a ship that's bigger than any other ship that's ever been made (laughs) and then the next year they make them one that's even bigger and then next year another one even bigger i mean they're just their cruise ships are so huge yeah you probably don't even feel the ocean shifting or anything you don't no not on the mediterranean when we went on because it's that's not very choppy anyway but right uh, yeah we didn't didn't feel any movement at all Uh, (laughs) the ship was so big and the water was so calm Going to Alaska, we did feel a little bit. Oh, interesting. Okay, even on a boat that big. But yeah, because you're you're in the Pacific Ocean, so it's it's a little bigger. But they don't they don't go really far north, like to the top of Alaska. I'm oh, sure no. they stay down oh, here. No, the first stop was like the very tiniest, smallest, most southernmost point of Alaska. Hmm. <laughs> you're oh. going, oh, here we are in Alaska, and you pull up a map of all of the huge state of Alaska, and we're at the dot at the very, 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 very bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like, might oh, as well be Washington or Canada. We're or definitely in the heart of Alaska now, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, it was it was still fun. But uh, yeah, we tried to play ping pong once when the weather was really choppy, and you know the waves are oh. when you're going north and south, the waves are going east west. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was it. wasn't bad though. I mean, mm. I was worried I was going to get seasick or something, and no, not nope. at all. 
but yeah, the ships are getting so big now, you you feel it even less. Right. And they're just huge floating hotels with you know with shopping malls and auditoriums and ice skating rinks and. I have heard about those. I've seen pictures of some <laughs> of those. They're like seven stories tall. It's like how do you even? You it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's an entire city on a boat. And sometimes, yeah, that they, they're getting so big they can't park in ports anymore. So you have oh to. Oh no! You have to, <laughs> you know, take another boat to get from your cruise ship to the to the uh, to the city. <laughs> because oh my god! There's no place for it to dock. It's too big. <laughs> So they're going to have to revamp all the docks to accommodate these new they can. floating cities. Yeah. So, yeah. that We had to do that once on our cruise. Um, <laughs> and the ships are a lot even bigger now than they were 10, 12 years ago. When we mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's crazy. But uh, I'm hoping I can take one with my wife. I'd like to take a cruise. Yeah. Uh, you know. They're, they're, you know, like I said, they're designed for couples. And right. I haven't gotten gotten to go with my wife once yet, mm-hmm. so I'm looking forward to trying that. Yeah, sometime. you should. I'm sure she'd so like it too. So. Hoping to travel again somewhere. Good. Well, is there anything else about your life that you uh, are anxious to share with everybody? I think we've covered it pretty well. I right. Think. <laughs> <laughs> as diverse as it is, it's right. going a lot of different directions. But uh, yeah. I just, uh, as I said before, uh, you know, life's never been as good as it is right now. I mean, I just love, uh, took a difficult time to get here, I guess. It's not (laughs) not exactly a straight line, but uh, I love my house, love the wife, and uh, just love uh, uh, where everything is right now. Mm -hmm. I would like to be, you know, a little closer to family and spend a little more time with family, but I guess I still need to figure out, you know, with my with my career, am I going to keep working or am I going to st- officially retire at some point? And, and mm-hmm. that will definitely make it easier to make decisions on what to do with, with time if I know I'm retired. But at this point, I'm still thinking I want to do a little more work first. So, With all the diverse experience you have, you could almost start your own business that encompasses all that you've learned <laughs> from these different... You know, it's, it's hard to combine a lot of those things. Well, it's, yeah. It's hard, it's hard so to make a resume look good because they're, it's right. the, the things are also varied. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, hopefully I can find something that I like to do a little bit longer. Uh, at my age, you know, I don't want to start at the bottom and work my way up to a company before no. I discover if I like it or not. No, I don't blame you. I want to find yeah. something I, I really like to do and find mm-hmm. fulfilling, and, and hopefully I can find something to do. Sure. Well, maybe we'll, maybe one of these days we'll see you on or catch you on stage in a big production and <laughs> yeah there's there's some good companies here in eugene that do that do shows so yeah there are i i need a little more experience though i haven't done that enough of that lately mm-hmm. most of my stuff like i said was back in the 80s so mm-hmm. i need to need to freshen that up a little bit right and my wife just went to the one there was one a while back at the the shed Mm-hmm. It used to be the Baptist church there in the yep. corner there. She went to one there. She said it was amazing. So the acting was good. Everything was good. So there's some good companies. They do some good work. Yeah. So. yeah. We, Eugene's got a, a great community of a lot of uh, good stuff going mm-hmm. on as far as the arts go. There's a lot of good mm-hmm. things, a lot of ways to get involved and a lot of good things to enjoy when mm-hmm. you have time to take in concerts and things. And, it's just, it's and even, even the local, the high school level, Sheldon High School's uh, drama program is amazing. I wouldn't watch them do Oklahoma, and this was just high school level, and uh-huh. it was amazing. They did a great job. So yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could be a director. There you go. 
<laughs> that's a thought. Yeah. If it pays enough, I mean, if it, yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. You got to make a living, but yeah. Yeah, some of that might be again volunteer stuff to do after retirement. Oh, kind gotcha. Of stuff. A lot of that I might enjoy doing it then. First of all, I got to figure out, you know, if I'm going to keep working or not. But if I do retire, then yes, then then I have the ability to make better decisions and can commit to to something. It's hard to commit to a, a play sometimes because you don't know what your evening schedules are going to be. True. I've had a lot of jobs where, unfortunately, the end of the day was never an exact time. So, it yeah, no, I know it, what you mean. Made it very yeah. hard to to volunteer for anything in the evenings because I mm-hmm. I just couldn't commit to something where I knew I might have to work late. So that that kept me off the stage for thirty years. Yes, and that was one of the biggest the one of the bummers of working at the were for FedEx is I never got a chance to. I really wanted to be involved with coaching. Yeah. With my kids' sports things, but I never knew when I was going to get off work. Yeah. And exactly. I, it could be a six o'clock night, could be a four o'clock night, next night at six o'clock. And I just, I couldn't commit to any team. So yeah, it's kind of a bummer. A, yeah. Coaching a team, that was something else I would be definitely interested mm-hmm. in doing. But again, you're right. If, if, if your work schedule gets in the way, you just can't commit to it. Right. So yeah. we actually lost one of our couriers because he, he left because I said, he really wanted to keep his coaching his son's football, but he couldn't. Mm-hmm. He was missing practices as the coach because yeah. he was gone at work. He's like, I can't do this. Yeah. My son's more important. So I believe it. So, so yeah, it happens. It does. It's, it's good to have your priorities so you know which way yeah. you need to go. Yeah. You bet. All right. Well, hopefully you can coach sometime. I'm, well, my schedule's a little bit better now, but now, of course, my kids are not, yeah. you know, at that coachable age, but there's always other groups I can coach. So, mm-hmm. So I've thought about it. All right. Are we good? I think we're good. All right. Well, David, thanks for being on my show. And uh, I appreciate it. And hopefully our listeners will enjoy your story too. So thanks for having me. You bet. And as we end the show with Looking Back by the amazingly talented Neil Patton, I just want to say thanks for subscribing And I hope that you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in supporting the show financially, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash let's hear it. The link is in the details of the podcast. No pressure at all, just whatever you feel led to do. But most of all, I just want you to enjoy listening to someone's story 